How's it going, everyone? Glad you could join us for another episode of Core 4 Life. We're your hosts. I'm Mike, here with Matt, Ryan, and Andrew. As we bring you another episode every Thursday to discuss four key pillars in our lives. Be fit, be driven, be noble, and be chill. And how our faith is the backbone behind each of those pillars. We're talking to some awesome guests along the way, as well as tackling different topics, all in the pursuit of staying accountable with each other and living our lives the way God intended. Tune in each week to see if there may be something missing in your life. Let's jump into today's episode after a quick ad for our sponsor. All right, well, we're excited to get on the mics tonight with uh, a couple different couple missionaries that are doing amazing work for Christ uh, overseas. Uh, we've got Devin and Katie and David and Renee with us. So uh, thank you guys for jumping on. Just to front a little bit of this, we, we're going to ask some questions, some things they might be a little bit careful with about how they answer just because uh, there's some security issues across seas and people don't necessarily want Jesus in those countries. And we're here to talk about some of that, just talk about the impact that they're having, they're making, and the challenges that are going on with some of that. So excited to, to talk through that tonight and uh, glad to get, have you guys here. So thanks for being here, guys. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks. Excited to have you guys on. So, you know, one thing to, I mean, just give us to start out a little bit of background on yourselves, uh, your family, members of the family, who's there, who's doing this work with you guys. Uh, start off with David and Renee over here. You want to take it, take that one over? Okay. <laughs> uh, my name's David, my wife, Renee. Um, we have four kids. We live uh, overseas in Southeast Asia. Uh, we've been there for about five years. Yeah. What about uh, kids, kids' ages? Okay, so my oldest is 11, um, then 9, 7, and 5. Okay. They love, you know, kids' stuff, they in, especially in Asia. Martial arts is crazy, so they love uh, jujitsu. They love karate. Um, you know, that's, a, that's great fun for them. They don't get to play basketball and football. Well, they get to play real football, I guess. But. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Here we go. What, what the other 99% of the world calls exactly, football. Exactly. So, yeah. Yep. Two boys, two girls. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And Devin and Katie? Yeah. So, I'm Devin, uh, my wife, Katie. And our oldest is two and a half. And then we have twin girls that are seven months old right now. So, we're in the thick of it. <laughs> awesome. And before we jump into it, we season two here for you guys jumping in. We're doing guest drink of choice. Uh, we've got, uh, we'll start with water from Renee. <laughs> we've got long drink, which I didn't think I had. And then I checked and I was like a couple weeks ago, I actually did have long drink. So I've had it before. Very tasty. This is the citrus kind. Instant classic. Instant classic. Awesome. Love it. Bringing Can't that one back. Can't go wrong with the finished drink. It's fantastic. Yeah. And Katie was, Devin's recommendation for Katie was uh, Sprite or an IPA. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And that's fine. The IPA has not been touched yet. That's okay. And then Devin, we got an Oktoberfest. So uh, again, glad to, glad to share a drink with you guys and, and get on the mics here. But first question here for you guys, we talk a lot about what it means to be in ministry. Uh, we all firmly believe that we are in ministry in every aspect of life, 
as everything we do should be backed by our faith in Christ and be glorifying to, be, to God in all that we do, whether that be with our family, at work, in our community, wherever. That all being said, there is a difference between working a corporate job like the four of us here at Core 4 uh, or going into full-time ministry, whether that be with a church, uh, campus ministry, overseas missions, and so on. Uh, so long-winded lead-up here to this first question, but what was the process like for you when you felt called from God to do full-time overseas missions? Uh, yeah, so um, we were, our story's a little bit, I won't do the long-winded one here, but um, we've been involved uh, with missions for, for many years. Actually, when, when, when we were both kids, we had been to Haiti, um, and we'd spent some time there. Then after we had gotten together, um, we both knew that, you know, we loved um, spending time with people that looked a little bit different than us. Um, and really, I mean, we for me, it felt like an aspect of learning that I had not gotten because growing up in Hartville, like, let's be honest, you know, this is like Hartville is as white as it comes. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just it's just the way it is. And so, you know, spending time with people that think differently um, than you do really changes the way that you think and, and see the world in which you live. And so that that had a big impact on me as a kid. Maybe you want to share that story a little bit. Yeah, I think it was just really neat. Uh, something we both experienced as individuals. And then um, in our relationship, it was kind of something we both saw like a call in our lives to be overseas. Um, you know, we did a kind of a shorter stint for a year in Haiti. And um, after that, just kept feeling like we were supposed to continue in this path together. And God just kept making it more and more clear for us that, you know, wh whether it was through scriptures we were reading, through connections we had with other people, or even things our children said that, like, we just felt this call in our lives. And it was just, there was no denying it that that was what we were going to be doing. So we spent, actually, when when we were in Haiti, uh, that was, that was, I mean, we were, I felt like, I look back now and I'm like, we were kids, you know, I mean, I, I still feel young, but we were like 20, 24 at that, 23, 24 at that point. And um, we were running an, a, a girls' orphanage, and that was that was I mean harder than I had ever expected that to be. And I remember sitting on our back porch uh, at the end of that year before we went back to came back to the states, and I told Brianna, "I will never do missions again." Like, and I honestly felt like that. And there was there was, I mean, part of it was just the trauma. I mean, it's just like you 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 ex you get thrown into this world as a kid and you're told to survive, you know, and it, it was just hard for us. Um, we didn't have a team. It was just, it was just us. Um, and so that was, that was hard. So we came back to, uh, to the U S and, um, I did a master's program in, uh, masters of divinity with a, uh, emphasis on, uh, new Testament studies. And that was really good for me too. I had met a couple people who lived in, in Southeast Asia, at that point, and they started talking to me about different ways of doing missions. Um, and to be honest with you, the stuff I saw in Haiti was really hard too, because there were ways in which missions was being done um, in Haiti that I just had a hard time with. Because to me, it felt like 
what we're bringing to them is what? We're bringing Western culture. We're not bringing the gospel. We're bringing Western culture that looks the way I look. You know, it, it looks like we're doing something, you know, very diverse. We're with people that look different than us. But actually what we're trying to do is take my Western background and make them into what I think it looks like to be, you know, me or a Westerner following Jesus. And it just doesn't look that way for everybody. Hmm. And so that really changed the way we started thinking about missions. We started thinking about, um, you know, uh, what what is our call? Um, and so I originally thought that, well, I was going to be a pastor. That's what I was going to do. Um, and then I really started to find, like, there's actually different ways that you can do this. Um, and to focus on discipleship, focus on Jesus, uh, as opposed to, you know, maybe we'll talk about some of these things uh, later on. So I won't get into all of it, but there's different ways of doing it. It doesn't have to look like the way in which it has always looked like before, you know, and uh, and really starting to think about what, what are we calling people to. And I really started at that point to fall in love with Muslims. Um, we had, I had spent some time in Lebanon um, with a, um, athletes in action, uh, playing basketball, and that was a blast. I loved it. And that kind of revolutionized my, you know, my thinking about Muslims um, and then Southeast Asia came up and, uh, you know, we decided that through a, a, a little journey that maybe you want to share a little bit just for a few minutes here on, on what that process looked like. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess when we just kind of were out of the fog of being in Haiti back, you know, back in the States and ready to kind of recognize that call that was still very much in our lives and in the back of our minds, whether it was someone else sharing a testimony or just kind of always feeling like this is not what we're supposed to, like working in the States didn't feel like it was what God was asking us to do as a family. And um, one of the, it was actually when my son was getting ready for preschool, I was asking him, I'm like, are you excited to make new friends at school? And his response was, yeah, if they look like me and they talk like me and like, and I was just, I was so just jaw drop, like, man, I have failed my five-year-old son. Um, and just thinking, wow, we're diver- diverse. You know, I grew up going to church in Akron, and we'd volunteered at different things. We were doing a Bible study. Not everyone was from our same hometown. Not everyone had the same backgrounds. We had lived in Haiti, like, and this is what my son thinks. And then realizing over the couple years we had been back, yeah, we were really involved um in ministry but with it was with people who majority of them were a lot like us and had the same opportunities we had had the same upbringing in most of them had the same um religious upbringing too and so i think that that really shook us and really just continued then on this journey of like praying and like feeling like okay god you've put this in our heart you're using my five-year-old to like remind me of it and it was no longer um, are we going to, it was more of a matter of where and when are we going to go. And so as these opportunities in Southeast Asia kept coming up, it was just no denying, like, we need to go follow up on this. We need to check this out. And I think there was just so many different things that felt like this has got to be it. I'm going to get there. I'm going to land and I'm going to be like, aha, like, this is it angels are me rejoicing like we found the place it's gonna be perfect it's gonna be amazing to raise a family and I it was not like that at all and I just I was so sick the elevation sickness motion sickness I was like 
I don't ever want to come back here. Like this is a beautiful country, great place to visit without children, but how will my kids ever survive 30 hours of travel? Um, how, how is this going to work? And you know, while we were there just reading through scripture and Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 11, talking about faith, I really kind of honed in on the chapter when God's talking about by faith, Abraham did this by faith, Sarah did this by, by faith, Noah did this. And all of them did these things, not longing for where they came from, from their home, but longing for their heavenly home, where they're going. And I had starred that and circled it. And it was kind of like the stake in the ground for me of like, this is what he's asking of us. And it is going to take an incredibly amount of faith, even if I feel like this is what he's asking us to do. And so kind of from there, just kept taking, even though it didn't feel like this is the place, it just was like baby steps of like God continuing to open up doors and continuing to put people in our path, reminding us like he gave you that word. He's giving you opportunities to be here and just kept confirming it. And we just kind of kept walking out in faith. That's awesome. I definitely want to hear Devin and Katie's take on it, but just thinking about, you know, you said taking your family and moving them to Southeast Asia. Like it's hard for me to get my four kids like to the grocery store just, just in the car and in thinking the car about start with. like Shoot taking on. them to a different country and just setting down roots there. I think we'll talk about that a little bit more, but just want to say that like that's an amazing thing to think about for both of you. I mean, you both have big families, so yeah, it's a it's a walk in faith for sure, and I, we all wrestle with those things. And there's uh, there's many different ways to walk in faith. So that's mm-hmm. what I was looking forward to mo- to most on this podcast is just hearing that walk in faith from you guys to see because I'm sure it didn't stop there and it's going to yeah. continue the whole way because man I feel like I'm walking in faith with everything we do and it's I mean like you said it's like getting the kids in the car and getting their <laughs> shoes on and that kind of stuff like it's man it's it's just hard every every day is it hard. is true though you know that's it's it's not just like people who move overseas that have to walk in faith, right? It's it's yeah. everyday people in every situation. It's it's your situation. It's everybody's situation. They have to walk in faith in the way that God has called them to be faithful. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it looks different for each person. Just because somebody takes up every you know moves their family overseas doesn't mean that that person has more faith than somebody who yeah who doesn't. You're you know? living out what you feel like God's calling you to do, and right. that's where He's leading. You're going to go in faith. Right. I probably sound stupid saying the things like getting in the car for the kids and the shoes, but those are just little examples. It, it takes <laughs> faith for me to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get them there. Yeah. That's hard, especially in Ohio winters with jackets uh, and oh, boots and socks. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm glad I don't have to do that. So You just gave me the heebie-jeebies yeah. thinking yeah. about that yeah. coming up here in a couple months. Anyway, spring, spring and summer are the best. We rock flip-flops like I all know. through. Yeah. Yeah. No shoes. Oh, you guys want? Yeah, don't want shoes? That's fine by me. The store <laughs> just, will be fine Just get it. in the car. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I love hearing that and just, yeah, like just so many biblical characters too that where you think about it, like it's, it's not just like a one-time thing. Like usually there is like one time that maybe big that they have to step out in faith, but like it, it's a continuous thing. It's over the course of your life and it's mm-hmm. day in and day out surrendering, you know, what your plans are, like knowing that God has something better for you, like in store, whatever that is. And it's mm-hmm. not probably according to your plan or maybe what you thought it was going to be, but that ultimately like that's going to be the best for you, for your kids. And like trusting that too in a foreign country, like you said, where everybody looks different from you is obviously a, a whole different, you know, ball game with that. But like the knowing God has the best for them too, like as part of yeah. that journey too. 
his parents, I think that's like just a different aspect of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And I really struggled with that when we took our, just our two boys overseas the first time. And I really was just fearful, very fearful of like, what's going to happen to them? What am I doing? And you know, you have a lot of other people speaking in to and questioning, what are you doing? It's better here. Let your kids live in America. And I think we had come back and all three of our children at the time got deathly sick from E. coli from a petting zoo in Holmes County, Amish country, which should be like the safest place on earth. And so I felt like from that moment on, I was like, okay, Lord, like wherever you have us, wherever they're your children, they're in your hands. It's and not as bad as a petting zoo in Holmes yeah. County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you want to talk about trauma. Yeah, yeah that's here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so, and Devin and Katie, I guess, I think I can share most of this. Um, for you guys, you guys jumped into our community group with mm-hmm. church. And um, so we got to know you a little bit, got to know your background and as you guys started a family and, and all of that and, uh, and then became the first overseas missionaries with our, with our church. So, yeah, very interested because I don't even know if I know that original story about how you guys uh, really felt the call to, to do that. Yeah, so um, I think both of our stories are kind of separate. But, um, yeah, for me growing up, I gr- grew up in the church and uh, kind of grew up and going on different mission trips and stuff. And one of the key moments I remember when I was growing up is I went to a mission trip to Australia of all places. <laughs> <laughs> it was like five weeks long and um, I was 13 years old. But on that flight back, um, <clears throat> we had a layover in uh, Southeast Asia. And I remember we stayed the night there. And I think that kind of had a, it was kind of being in a very different place, obviously, or there was mainly a Muslim context and very different than Australia. But on that flight back, I remember just thinking about kind of Asia and how there was people there that had never known Jesus and um, thinking like, man, I wonder what it would look like to go back one day and work and serve there. Um, So that was like 13. But you know, stuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Deep thoughts there. so growing up, going to college, you know, I got involved with crew and um, I think it was our junior year that we started dating. It was my junior year. Um, and as we started dating, you know, the idea of missions kind of came up a little bit and Katie was a little bit. Interstage, m- right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Katie was really kind of focused on that uh at that time at that time yeah Yeah. so yeah for me actually it was really similar to Devin I um had an interest in missions before I really could say I even understood grace so we started going to an evangelical church when I was in fifth grade and I remember uh, missionaries from small country in southeast Asia came to speak and I turned to my mom and I was like why can't we do that that's so cool like they're (laughs) living this awesome life and Never would have dreamed like that I could actually do that um, until same as Devin, like you said, uh, fast forward to college and 
still didn't really understand grace, was kind of just thinking that I had to earn my way into God's favor, earn my way into heaven. And um, I was running actually at Kent State and met our pastor, Rick McKee, through ministry. He was doing Athletes in Action at the time. And um, in a Bible study with him is when I first like understood the idea that like I don't actually have to work for um, God to love me and I can just be a recipient of his grace. And that was when God really got a hold of my life and like missions kind of came right along with it. I don't know. It was just like a natural fit. Crew had offerings to go serve overseas. I'm like, sure, why not? And did that a couple times and met Devin and was like, listen, dude, <laughs> if you, <laughs> I was like, here's the deal, really. Like if you want to take this seriously, like this is a big deal to me. And you were like, uh. Yeah, it was actually a little bit of a process to me because, you know, like I said, God had laid it on my heart and a little bit, but I, I didn't know mm. what that looked like. Your but. calling was from Katie. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we understand. I think she made me step up to the plate yeah. of like, she, I was dating her and she's like, all right, I'm, I'm serious about this mission thing. And like, if this is going to go any further, like this needs to be like part of part of life yeah. going yeah. forward you're, you're serious so, about this katie thing yeah. missions <laughs> is going to need to be part of I yeah. so it, it actually took me a while to just kind of process that and it's like all right if i'm going to do this and i'm want to continue a relationship with katie like i'm going to step up and i want to like commit to it long term and, and not just you know say it to say it um can i share something about that yeah That's sure so funny so it actually is like really like I don't know, it speaks to like a theme of our marriage of like, I'm like ready to jump into things, pretty eager and excited. And so fast forward a couple years after college. So I wanted to go right after college and to serve abroad. And my dad, who I had a ton of respect for, he's always, yeah, been very involved in our family and like held great jobs. And I had a ton of respect for him, sat me down and was like, if you really wanted to do this, like you should start here because I was a nurse, right? A nursing major. And he's like, don't you think you should like get trained here so you can like serve people overseas there better? And like, is this really like about you or is this about them? And it was like this like heart moment for me of like, wow, like if I really want to serve these people well in the way that I want to, I probably should like learn here first. So he said that to me and I got a job in East Cleveland in a really hard area. And he was like, well, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> but Devin and I continued to date. And it, for me, that was like my step of faith at the time. You're talking about just trusting where God wants you because I really wanted to go. And it was like, I just have to trust that God's going to continue to lay this on my heart if he wants me to do it down the road. And he did through Devin. I actually probably wouldn't be there if it wasn't for you. Like after we got married, I mean, it's it was like really hard after we got into our jobs I was loving life with working in the ER and yeah we had a nice little nice little setup in our rental home in Kent <laughs> and he was like hey remember this like <laughs> I said I wanted to do this and I still do and I think Lord wants this for us and so you're more of like the long hauler takes you a minute to like catch up but you're like set on your vision where I'm more of like the yeah, anyways. Good job, Devin. <laughs> he up. is. He's steadfast yeah. when I'm a little bit... Uh, <laughs> you compliment each other. Yeah. That's good. Sure, that's the way to say it, yeah. So that's kind of the gist of our story, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, with as much detail as you're able to share, um, what what type of work right now are you guys doing overseas? 
Yeah, so our our story is kind of up in the air a little bit, but um, what we were doing, we moved overseas in 2017. Uh, yeah, the beginning of 2017. First started teaching English, but uh, then found some opportunities that were more in line with our careers and what we were doing here in the States before we moved. And so uh, I was working for a foundation that helped employ people with disabilities. So we have about 25 people that work in our workshop that um, kind of make all of our products and they're sold locally there uh, in country. And uh, what I was doing is kind of helping with marketing and helping with making products and figuring out how to make them. There was a team that I was working with um, and this, this company had been around for a couple years before I even joined. So I was kind of <laughs> low man of just trying to figure things out and come along and help them. Um, so that was what I was doing. Uh, Talk about the heart there. of the company too. Yeah. Funny. So the person that started it got together with two local ladies and they started and had a heart for um, just employing people with disabilities and seeing a, a need in that area and really wanted to have kind of a well-rounded and holistic approach to ministry, um, giving people the opportunities to work and provide for their families. Because the, the country that we're working, um, people with disabilities are seen as kind of lower class, or they can often be seen as a hindrance to their families. And so we, employing them, it raises their status in the neighborhoods and in their families. And a lot of them were even the main income winners for, for their households, which it's uh, really cool um, to see. And yeah, I think what's really cool about what Devin's <coughs> doing, too, is the group that started it are all believers. And so it's two local ladies, like Devin said, and this um, British missionary. And they all had a heart to share Jesus. And all the people in the workshop are unreached um, with the ethnic group that we're trying to get in touch with. So like while providing and helping them to, you know, be able to earn an income, they're able to like share the Lord. So you were able to support the locals, which was my favorite part of what you were doing as they like shared the Lord with one another. It kind of gave them that avenue to do that. So cool. for me, I worked at a hospital um, in the city that we were living in. And so this ethnic group that we're trying to reach. So yeah, the guy um, that employed me was part of that ethnic group and he was my boss. And I was kind of just like full blown in this environment where I was working for the people that, um, that I was trying to reach. And that was really cool, just working alongside them. I was a nurse educator. So teaching at this hospital and teaching nursing students. And yeah, that was all with the heart of trying to take every opportunity we could to share the love of Christ and yeah, share nice. the gospel ultimately. So awesome. David and Renee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, in the country we're in, um, I've been doing, uh, the way I look at it is kind of like two, two rails. So in, in one sense, what I've been doing is, uh, working as a student, working on my, I'm working on my PhD, uh, specifically on who is Jesus within uh, Southeast Asian Islam. And so that allows me to go and talk to people, interview people, ask them, you know, what kind of things they, how they talk about Jesus, how they think about Jesus, um, how their communities interact with the stories of Jesus. Because um, actually in the Quran, uh, the Quran teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin, teaches that Jesus lived a sinless life, it teaches that Jesus is actually coming back to judge the living and the dead. 
Uh, and it also uh, teaches um, that Jesus is the Word of God and that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, the one piece, right, that we would all say is that, you know, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. But, you know, they would believe that Jesus was taken uh, directly to the Father. Um, and so there's, as, when it comes to Jesus, it is not hard at all to talk to Muslims about Jesus. You can talk to any Muslim about Jesus, and they will happily talk with you about Jesus. Actually, the, the mosque up the, the road here, I used to go every once in a while. Um, on Fridays, they have their prayers. And they are some of the most friendly people that you will ever meet. I used to go to their Friday prayers, and then I'd talk to the imam, which is like a, a Muslim uh, preacher, basically, and we'd talk about Jesus, and we'd have drink coffee or tea together, and it was, it was just a good time. And so, you know, Muslims are so willing to talk about Jesus. Um, but there are different uh, pressures, I think, that cause uh, Muslims not to think about Jesus, because we equate Jesus with what? Christianity, Right. But Jesus, was Jesus a Christian? Jesus was not a Christian, right? I mean, Paul wasn't a Christian. Peter wasn't a Christian. Um, you know, that's, you, the scriptures never teach that, you know. Um, they teach that, you know, that word Christian was used to represent this group of people that was forming. I'm not saying that, you know, that's wrong at all. But, you know, when it comes to, to Jesus, like if we focus on Jesus and we think about Jesus and we interact with other people, anybody, about who Jesus is and, and the stories of Jesus. Like, if I were to ask you what is the most common, you know, teaching you think most people know about Jesus, what is it? What do you guys think? Most common is that he's a great teacher. He's a great teacher. What yeah. what what part of his teachings would you say most people know? I would say the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. What Gold, about the Sermon on the Mount? Golden Rule, like the yeah. Golden Street, Ten Commandments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are those things? So, so like rules. The, their rules, religion, laws. But what what did he? So this is the one thing. It's like, so part of what I feel like w one of my roles in uh, Southeast Asia is to work with both Muslims and Christians actually about what it means to follow Jesus. Right. It, it's one thing to confess that you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, but it's a whole nother thing to actually obey what his teaching is. And you know, one of the most common teachings. I'm not saying like. But I'm not saying it is the most common, but one of the most common is love your enemy as yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there was one, at one point I was sitting in a, a, a room with a, a Muslim teacher, and he asked me, he's like, what? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Like, what did you do in America, right, that got <laughs> you kicked out of there that sent you here? Yeah. Like, it can't be good, right? Well, and I'm like, you know, so so... Basically, what I said was that I think that there's a lot of Christians that think that Muslims hate them, and I think there's a lot of Muslims that think that Christians hate them, mm -hmm. right? So I feel like one, the, my, my purpose in being here is to focus on the teachings of Jesus, and through the teachings of Jesus, we can find reconciliation between the two and find reconciliation to the Father, right? And so that's kind of how I've seen... Um, uh, my my work in Southeast Asia. I also am doing that with um, with Christians as well, right? I mean, if if we think about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, right? I mean, even even that, I, I to be honest with you, this, this like I think Muslims have changed the way that I think about a lot of this stuff because 
I used to think about when I used to think about the gospel, I used to think of like the four spiritual laws or, you know, this, like what, what, what kind of thing can I give you? What I have learned so much from Muslims. What is it? What, like, what do you mean by follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is that? What does that act? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And that has also impacted the way in which I do ministry with Christians as well. You know, so you're coming to this university. I also teach at a university and you want to be in ministry. What does that mean? Like, why do you want to be in ministry? What are those things that, you know, and what are those things that drive you? Why are you motivated to do that, right? And if it's following Jesus, then what, like, let's get down to the, to some of the roots of some of those things. And even if you look at Jesus, like, what? how did Jesus disciple people, right? I mean, in the book of Mark, it took him all the way to chapter 8 before anybody confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, right? And 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 so did did the disciples believe that Jesus was the Messiah from the very beginning? No, right? He actually discipled them to faith. He walked with them to faith. We always think of discipleship as it's something that happens after you confess, right? But Jesus actually discipled the disciples up until, right, their, their, their confession of faith um, or the confession of Jesus as the Messiah, Right? I mean, all the way up through Mark 1 through 8, Jesus is doing all these miracles. Everybody's following. You know, it's, it's just, um, and then there's this little story that we always forget where Jesus uh, heals a blind man, right? But the blind man, the first time Jesus prays for him, the blind man doesn't see clearly. He sees trees. He sees people that look like trees, right? Well, then he prays for him a second time. Then he finally sees, right? And this is the process that all of us, I think, we're on this journey of mm-hmm. like we're we're blind. Jesus heals us, but it it's a journey to get to that to the, to that complete openness of right, and that's the process of discipleship. Then Jesus says, "Who do people say that I am?" Right? And he says, "Some say you're you know Elijah. Some say you're you know, but who do you say that I am?" And then that's when Peter finally confesses, "You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." Right? And then from there, Jesus then changes the script and says, this is what discipleship look, looks like. You take up your cross, you deny yourself, take up your cross, and you follow me. Right? That's what true discipleship looks But it took him time to get there. And so that's kind of also a part of what uh, both kind of both rails, working with Christians and Muslims, actually to do the same thing. Because sometimes religion can blind us, and that includes Christianity, I think. Mm-hmm. Personally, but yeah, I think religion can blind a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But and what you said, I think even the the disciples, the disciples in the Bible, had those same type of doubts that we go through all the way through. Even I know I've heard different interpretations of uh, Peter denying Jesus mm-hmm. after you know he said you would when the rooster crows you will die, deny me three times. And I've heard different interpretations of that saying. He was actually doubting at that point in time when Jesus had died. He's like, well, what happened here? My Messiah died, mm-hmm. you know, and he needed that reassurance. So what are we supposed to? We didn't, we wouldn't live 2000 years ago, you know, so we are all again, back to the faith component, living by faith mm-hmm. in what we believe uh, to be true. So that's awesome that you get to have those conversations again with Christians, of course, like we're all trying to, to minister in that realm, but with Muslims in itself. So going back a little bit you you mentioned a lot of the things that muslims believe and it's a lot of the same things that we believe as christians you know but there's that one key factor that they don't believe so Mm -hmm. 
I didn't hear you say it, I don't think. So what then is it that, in I guess short detail here maybe, would make for our listeners uh, to know, like what, what is it then that makes a Muslim a Muslim? Yeah. So one of, you know, the, the, the big, uh, you know, thing that makes a Muslim a Muslim is, is what they call the Shahada. Um, they confess that we believe in God and the one true God, and we believe that Muhammad is his prophet. Okay. So that's kind of the statement of faith. Actually, in uh, Judaism, there's something similar, They what they call the Shema, um, right? A hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And similar to that is kind of what they call the Shahada. That's kind of the, the statement of faith. It's actually interesting if you look in John chapter 17, when Jesus prays, he prays something similar. He says, help them know um, the one true God or, the, or, or the, the Father and me, the one who was sent by the Father. And so in, in some ways, you know, there, that Muhammad piece is, is, is the big, you know, thing for, 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 for Muslims about what, you know, how they interact with Jesus is one thing, uh, but they believe that uh, Muhammad was the last prophet. Mm-hmm. So the reason why Muhammad uh, is elevated to such a high level is because the Quran was given to Muhammad, Muhammad, and um, therefore he has a level of enlightenment or um, power, authority. He's he's a he's a special kind of prophet. Um, but because yeah. he was given this book that was written called yep. the Quran. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's interesting, actually. I had a conversation with one one guy. Um, is it okay? Am I talking too much? No, no. Um, this is this is good stuff, man. We'll we'll dive into it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but I had a conversation with one guy, and um, he said uh, he was. I was asking him because in Islam, there's there's uh, 25 main prophets, um, and then there's five that are known as the prophets of the prophets, the best prophets. Um, and Jesus is in there. Abraham's in there. David's in there. Uh, I think it was Noah, um, but I could be mistaken with that one. And then Muhammad. And so I asked the question, like, I mean, all things, right, that we all believe about, the, in, that we get in the Bible, um, just this one extra piece about Muhammad. So I asked him, you know, in relationship to that, so if you believe that Jesus was, lived sinless, like he never sinned, you know, but Muhammad sinned, like Muslims believe that Muhammad sinned, but if you believe Jesus um, was sinless, then what? Where's the? Why is he more elevated than Jesus mm-hmm. is? You know, and that he couldn't answer it. You know, and it's that's a common kind of issue maybe within, which is why I feel like my research is important because if Jesus has such a high value in the Quran, then why do some of his people not place that same value on Jesus? Um, actually, even more so than Muhammad. Well, and maybe I'm misspeaking here, but isn't it within the Quran maybe to not ask some of those questions and really dig into some of that, or are they doing that? No, some are doing it. Uh, some aren't. You know, I think of it like Christianity. Christ- and, for sure. I was thinking the same thing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Muslims probably have even a better idea on who Jesus is than a lot of Christians. Yeah, it's actually really, that's a good point. There are some Muslims who actually, I know, it's hard because what do you do with that? Like, <laughs> I know a Muslim who actually knows more about Jesus than some of my Christian friends. Yeah. And probably actually obeys Jesus mm-hmm. better more than, than, better than, yeah. someone, than they <laughs> sure. do. You know, how do you, how do you handle that? You know, and it, how do you think about that? Um, but 
That wasn't one of your points that you made is that um, instead of trying to talk to somebody about religion, talk to somebody about um, Christianity versus uh, Islam, you know, that type of thing, like just breaking it down, talk to somebody about Jesus. Like that just clarifies things and simplifies things. And like, even as you consider like what we're going through, going to our place of work, going to, you know, in our daily lives, like we get so concerned, like, oh man, I'm going to have the conversation with this guy about Christianity and like, no, like I can just talk to him about Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Like with things uh, that you love, right? I mean, that's, that's, that is a core of who you are and what you love. I, I think that's a very clarifying and simplifying statement that I think can, if you boil it down to that and kind of focus on that as you're approaching a conversation, you say, oh, I want to talk to this person about Jesus. And, you know, see what the response is there. Well, that's that's what we always talk about, too, because people want to bring up all of these different religious rules and laws and things that they hear, especially in culture, about, well, if Christianity believes this, then I can't believe in, in Christianity, where, well, let's just get them back to truth and let's get back to Jesus. You know, you can talk about old earth versus new earth. Uh, you can talk about dinosaurs. You can talk about all these different things, but... You know, let's let's get back to talking about what the truth is, mm-hmm. which is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Muslims believe a lot of that in itself. That is true. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Actually, one thing that I've felt like for me that has really released me from that pressure is John chapter 6. Jesus says um, that no one can come to me unless the Father first draws them. Mm-hmm. It is not my responsibility at all. To convert anybody or you know that that is not my pr- that is not on me that is that is the work of god who does that it is i i focus on jesus we focus on jesus and we talk about him and we talk about his teachings and we follow him and what is on the inside then starts to come out instead of you know some of those uh religious kind of core things that we were taught but really focusing on jesus as the centerpiece of that you said that well but it's much easier to so, say than do sure. right i mean jump in and add yeah. too. i think for me just like with that it's just like jesus in my life too at least like for my style of ministry and just like in a hospital setting or with my language teacher or here with my kids you know it's just like bringing jesus into mm-hmm. just like what is happening in my life um right now the people in the country that we are serving are going through some crazy hard things and I'll get texts from my friends in the middle of the night their time about terrible stuff happening on their street people coming in with like shooting on their street we had someone just down the road what four kids get shot at just down the street from where we lived where we walked every day wow. you know and um, so he, when I'm talking now and texting and you know sending messages back and forth or calling with these people like it's just like reminding them in the psalms you know like did you know like god cares and he wants to bring justice to this situation and it's like it's so like yeah i don't know for me talking about jesus is easier when i just pull it into like my life Mm -hmm. you know so but or their life or us us saying that god cares doesn't necessarily mean as much to non-christians if they don't think that we care right and i think that's the hardest thing true for me is to have that empathy and to know like I like we all know we have mm-hmm. faith we have it it's grounded in us and you know so it's easy for us to believe that to talk about it uh, to bring it about but sometimes it's the hardest thing is to yeah. actually have that empathy and care 
for those that don't win, that's the biggest thing. Like, right. I mean, we should, like, if, if we really truly believe in what we believe, then we believe that that person who doesn't believe what we believe is going to go to hell. They're going to have, mm-hmm. um, eternal life where we would not want to be. And ultimately if we're not having those conversations, we're not showing that care and that love, then yeah. you know, what are we even doing? Right. Yeah, for sure. One thing that I think both of you touched on in your initial stories is talking about how sometimes missions are done where Westerners bring in Western religion, like coming in with a, like, oh, I'm an American. I'm going to set down this church right here. And so I just wanted to, you know, talk about what, what that looks like to you, like how you adjust to that. Like, how do you remove yourself from the Western culture of Christianity and, and just, let the love of Christ flow through you to these these people who desperately need it. I would say for for me, just well, I shouldn't I should say more for for both of us. Just studying, like we took the first two years to just like try to really immerse ourselves in the culture, the life of the place we were living, the people's mindsets, like their their perspective on life, their perspective on you know spirituality and uh, what they believe and just really trying to adapt to their worldview and embrace it as much as we could I feel like for me that was a huge part of kind of pulling out of and crazy but like the Holy Spirit we were talking about this today the Holy Spirit does this like crazy work of like as you start to learn about this other worldview you're reading scripture and all of a sudden it's like lit up in different ways you know like you're like seeing it from a different perspective um, so yeah I think I think for me, it's studying the other culture and trying to put myself and immerse myself in that belief system. And then also the Holy Spirit meeting me there and showing me and revealing to me throughout scripture, like how, yeah, how to see him from a broader perspective. I think that's one of the challenges at times too, is going overseas is that Christianity is so closely tied to Western culture at times. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, well, you're from the West and you're automatically a Christian or assigned to that. And and I think that can be the challenge at time for people. And I think maybe even the detriment of even how missions have been done in the past of, you know, there has been some damage caused because the church has come in and missionaries have come in and tried to kind of plug and play from the West and that doesn't necessarily work in that culture or that context. And so, you know, I think for us, a, a large part of what we did, especially in the first two years, is just studying the culture, how to, learning how people think, how they, you know, learning about their own religion. You know, we worked in a Buddhist context, so uh, just learning about Buddhism and, um, maybe some of the similarities between Christianity and Buddhism, but, and then also learning about the differences and, you know, how that plays out. Cause yeah, I think it's so easy to get caught up in Western culture, equivalent that to Christianity. And there's a lot of things that get worked into that, that aren't necessarily what Christianity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going over there and starting to kind of pull back the layers no, this is this is the core of uh, what Christians believe, and it's like it's about Jesus, and you can come to know Jesus too, and you don't have to bring all the Western culture and you know everything else. You don't have to become a an American or look like an American 
to become a Christian. Um, and I think it takes a long time, I think, at times to get people to that. But um, As Americans going over to other countries, are there misconceptions that people may have about you as far as, you know, how do they, what do they think about you being there? You don't look the same. Um, are there stereotypes maybe that are hard to, to get through? Any experiences around that? Yeah, and I think like going off of they're assuming we're Christians, we're white, we're from America. And so it's like, well, the Kardashians are Christians, Britney Spears <laughs> are Christian. And so there is a, an element of damage, like damage control that you have to like show that not every person that has a cross necklace is a follower of Jesus. Right. And so those are hard things, I think. And that goes back to showing you care, learning the language, um, eating what they eat, mm -hmm. living how they live to as much as you can have, as much as it makes sense. But yeah, there's definitely apologizing for what they've, how they've been hurt possibly by the Western church maybe um, in the past. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of misconceptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of, the, one of the things that we actually do with some of our um, our the people, the Christians that we work with is we actually ask them to apologize to somebody and just to actually have an, a, a conversation like, hey, you know, I just want you to know that, you know, I love you. I care for you. Um, I'm really sorry if there's anything that, you know, a Christian has done to you that has like hindered uh, or hurt you like um, in that way, like that does not represent me at all. And so you know, those having those conversations with people and, and open and, and just openly and honestly really can, can go a long way. Um, and even like kind of mixing both those questions, the last two questions together is one of the things like we can do is we can let people think the way that they think. You know, we don't have to um, impose uh, a certain way of thinking about things. Like what would it be like to say, hey, read this passage um, the story of Jesus and let's talk about it. What do you think about it? Like what's, what things come to your, what do you learn about God, you know, in this passage and what do you learn about, about humanity in this passage? And then you let them talk and you let them interact with the, the, the scripture themselves, you know, giving them and, uh, people an opportunity to express that as opposed to telling them what you think they need to, to believe is, or think about that passage is, is a way that we can, and it's the way Jesus did it, right? I mean, he asked questions all the time. Like, that was his, his way of teaching. Mm -hmm. yeah, it right? goes right back to your discipleship point, yep. right? Yep. You know, it starts, it doesn't necessarily start as a believer. It starts before that. Right, from I the beginning, that. yep. I love that. So I guess as a follow-up question to that, then, we talked about what Western Christianity looks like and maybe some of the damage that it's caused. Um, but what does a new believer in Southeast Asia look like? Like, what... What is the difference between Western Christians and new Christians in Southeast Asia? Like, <laughs> you're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really hard question. So I'll just say that's a really hard question. I'm guessing similarly for you guys as it is for us. So we're all working in unreached contexts, and they're unreached for a reason. There's just not a lot of believers in the context that we're in. And so, yeah, would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, so it's really hard to find that model, but I think... Um, do you have anything to say first? Oh gosh, you guys. Do you have any <laughs> very just yeah. like go, go ahead, grassroots, it. <laughs> like, you know, imagine yeah. this village 
and it's a family, a community. They've all grown up together, related, you know, maybe a couple different families have all lived here. They're coming together for a time of worship, a couple mm-hmm. nights a week, sitting on the floor, you know, sharing meals together and just just talking about their faith, sharing their yeah. faith. I think um, there's definitely an element, whereas as new believers in Western culture, usually we are excited to share our faith. Um, that's not always the aspect for someone in that mm-hmm. context, They, which goes along with why we're there and encouraging that among the believers that are there and giving them tools and like how to approach that and not obviously they have a lot to lose and so that is why there is that fear and so we totally understand that and you know it's hard to even like say because we you know we'll get sent back here and they will you know potentially lose their life their community their home you know and so it's just I don't know it's so it's so different I think we just have so much so many more things to plug into as believers here. And like, if you become a new believer, it's like, oh, you're going to be in this group. You can go to this, this thing on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, you know, men's camp, women's leadership. I don't know. There's just so many things. And it's just more of just an authentic, like, this is their faith. And this is how they're going to live their life. And they're just going to trust Jesus and have hope in him, whether they're, you know, I just picture one of the old ladies in the village near us and like the typical old village lady from like, Pocahontas, Moana, like all those <laughs> Disney movies, like that is like that is her, and I just see her like frail as can be. She's partially blind, I believe, and just like you know, trekking with her little wooden cane to the the evening service, and but just, far stronger than I would. Yeah, I would think yeah, I'm like you know? it's people like that that I think are like on their knees and praying for their family and generations mm-hmm. to come that they would come to know the truth, and I feel like yeah, we can't. We can't compare, you know, I think in our minds, maybe we see like our big churches and the things that we can do and like be known for, um, where it's like, no one can, no one knows the hearts of what's going on in these new believers in these Mm -hmm. contexts. I was going to add to just like, without getting into like details of like, oh, how does this person worship in their context or like little things, but I feel like the big themes where we are of someone who is Buddhist in our context converting to Christianity is like letting them take their time with some of the like and I I struggle to say this but like so often it's really easy to be like oh this sin in your life this sin in your life this sin in your life like you can't you know and really come down on people about like you know changing the way that they act but like I feel like in that culture so often like you have to be patient with new believers because there might be different things that they're doing that they're still carrying over from their Buddhist background that they're have to catch up with, you know, and that God has to convict them of that. And, you know, and obviously we can follow the Holy Spirit's leading and talk with them in that time. But that's one of the big things I think that comes up a lot is there's oftentimes they convert and they want to be a Christian, but then there's still these like things that they're doing that are Buddhist that we have to be patient with them as they're, I don't know if that happens in your context too, but you have to be patient with them as they're slowly shedding off those things and the, that aren't glorifying to the Lord. I think it works the same way in a lot of ways with uh, people coming to Christ in a Western culture and as far as right. things that they need to shed out. I right. mean, that's, that doesn't happen overnight yeah. you know it's a it's a long process but like you guys said in this culture it's much easier in the fact where if someone's coming to Christ they really have to give up their lifestyle of what they're living in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that lifestyle is what has driven them to the point of now 
needing something else to fill that void, you know, and they're like, hey, well, maybe this Christ guy is going to do that for me. And they see this joy and this happiness amongst other believers and they say, hey, I can plug myself into that culture and fit in and be good with that. Where for you, somebody coming to Christ means they have to give up everything they've ever known. Their community, their families a lot of times, you know, and that whole that whole life. So again, I mean, it, it shows the importance of what you guys are doing overseas when we all know there's missions in what we're doing to help lead people down that path, not to convert somebody. As you said, our job is not to convert them. God has his own plan, but to help people down that path for sure. But for what you guys are doing, I mean, those uh, otherwise they will never have that opportunity to potentially save their life. I was going to say the one thing that you hit on that was about, you know, how they have to give up everything. And I think the cool side of what we get to see when someone becomes a believer is like the community of people that surround them and kind of adopt them. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the new Christians in the church that we were attending, the new formerly Buddhist Christians, like they're just like unabandoned. I don't know. I think that's kind of what you were touching on too. Like they just love the Lord. They want to serve each other. They want, they go through major sacrifice, like financially for one another, giving up so much. It's like challenges our faith a lot of like, man, like this is how much you make and you're giving, you know, that to this person who lost their job because now they're becoming a Christian and their family Mm -hmm. doesn't want to be around them. Their husband left them and they're trying to raise their kids on their own. And like, you know, so I think that that's the other element that I probably should have said first and touched on first because it's the beautiful element of what we get to see when someone becomes a believer, and that's like the community that, yeah, yeah, and the sacrifice that they make for one another. That's that's awesome. Like, yeah, you gave up everything. Me too. Cool. You want to be best friends? We just become best friends. We just, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we've hit on a lot of awesome points here, but uh, just in a little bit of detail what what have been some of the biggest challenges that you face since you've taken the this overseas work Uh, and that could be with the work that you're doing with some of the family aspect of it whatever i mean what what's been the biggest challenge and how has that impacted you and where you're at maybe that's helped to what what god has called you to maybe it's affected in a in a negative way what uh what's been some of those challenges I think for me, uh, the biggest challenge is just like where we live is kind of a tough place to live. Just, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's a developing country. So you see a lot of hard things every day and that's hard. Um, Especially, I guess, I don't know if being a girl has something to do with that, but watching little kids pushing trash carts, you know, just about brings you to tears and knowing that they're earning the money for their family or yeah, just the crazy things you see. Um, we also went through just like minor traumas while we were there, seeing like bad accidents and getting stuck in some pretty dark places, not sharing how we were going to get out. Um, and so I think for me, just like the, the where we were is, was the hardest thing about like for me, where we were living and just the life challenges of being there. But I remember um, our our lead pastor occasionally would send us emails just like, hey, just praying for you this morning. Just thought I'd shoot you an email, see how you're doing. And Finally, I replied back. I was like, man, I've never like needed prayer so bad. And it's really humbling. So thank you. Yeah. Just like, so every time he sent me that, I was like, man, I really needed that today. So I'm glad he's praying for us. And it's just like, 
yeah, really humbling to need prayer so badly because what you see is really challenging and what you're experiencing is really challenging. But the Lord meets you there and he met me there. And I feel like scripture really came alive to me a lot uh, living overseas because like I started to share this story of us getting stuck in the middle of nowhere, Southeast Asia, um, in what's known to be a really dark place in the country uh, spiritually and um, being scared. Like, how are we getting out? Like our bus tickets failed through and they don't have a place for us to stay and where are we going to sleep tonight and we're homeless yeah <laughs> and we're in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and like literally in the middle of nowhere and we're like oh, sweating and like the th- actually someone gave us the scripture our, uh teammates of ours gave us the stri- scripture before we took this trip of like the lord will go before you and behind you and lay his hand upon you and just like that becoming so alive to me in that moment of like God has come before me in this moment and he has a path for me and I just I'm seeing this come alive today (laughs) and he did and it actually ended up being like the coolest story ever there happened to be a guy who was willing to drive us to the nearest big city and we got to drive all these small little dirt back roads through these villages of like places that like I'm sure most people never will get to see and like this lifestyle that most people will never get to see of just like literally nothing around and them Mm -hmm. living off the land and um so yeah just i would say scripture really came alive to me just as god met me in the hard seasons Mm -hmm. yeah um i think you know it's just along with you know those things i think it's just like the loss of Mm -hmm. things and people and food even you know it's like (laughs) I've never requested Velveeta so much in my life. I don't even eat it here, but I need it there for some reason. (laughs) It really is amazing. You know, I think there's there's so many wonderful things about Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. Some of the most beautiful people that you would ever meet. I mean, you walk down the street and they will welcome you into their home and make coffee, tea, anything you want. They will, you know move a mountain for you and do anything for you. Just some of the most hospitable people. I mean, you read the Bible and you see some of that hospitality that you see. Like, that's how I think of um, the, the people that we, that we live with. But those losses are hard. You know, Job lost everything. And, you know, I, our, our story is nothing similar to that. But, you know, I think there's an aspect of Job's story that we can all uh, kind of relate to in a sense of, like, there's Job. I always used to think that Job from the very beginning, you know, like he's the righteous one. His wife looked at him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Right. And Job's like, no, like I'm, God gives and he takes away, you know, but it, it's later on. He finally admits to his friends when his friends are telling him you need to repent. He finally admits. He says, it's not my fault. It's his fault, you know. And just dealing, like he finally, and then once he admitted that, God's like, thank you. Now leave that to me. <laughs> and that's kind of how I, just so the losses and the minor traumas that you experience mm-hmm. is just like, okay, you get to the point of saying, okay, God, like it's yours, you know. Uh, but those losses are hard and admitting that is important and, you know, acknowledging uh, loss of, uh, you know, I lost my grandma while we were there and, you know, weren't able, wasn't able to go to the funeral and stuff like that. Like those losses that you just don't get to do on a daily basis that if you're here, you get to do that, um, are some of the harder aspects mm-hmm. of it. But mm-hmm. I think just raising children without 
family around. That's been really hard for me. I have a really big family, um, and we're fortunate to have lived around both sides of our family before we moved overseas. And just having that, just know for one, you're taking your children away from that. And also, you know, I have this one nephew that I think he's going to like resent me for his life because I took his best friends, you know, so that's, that's a hard thing. Just, um, yeah, again, on that loss of not having family close, um, also sickness that we've dealt with while being overseas. I mean, we had some scary times and it was just like literally banging my head up against cinder blocks like this in the in the house like Jesus just take me I told my seven-year-old at the time I'm like this is the emergency bag Let's go to that neighbor's house Eric was out of town I was so so sick and I was just like oh my word I I don't know if I'm gonna make it and I feel like that's hard like thinking about that for my children mm-hmm. like that you know I touched on that before and it's just like the challenge to continue to trust God that like they're in his hands and like you know this we did a security training and I came back with the tourniquet and all this stuff I'm like okay if something happens I'm ready but like I mean my adrenaline's probably gonna go crazy if in an emergency like that so I think that's a hard challenge and then just language oh my word like the things I've said like ask when I was trying to just ask for water while learning language like the gross yeah. thing I said instead like I won't even say on here please but say I'm just please like, say <laughs> but I'm just like oh my word like that's so hard and especially like I we did do language school we know the language but it's like we sometimes you just want to like in your conversations with people like you want to get on this heart level and there's just years that need to go like we've been there for almost five years and I know it's going to take another five years to be able to just share my heart and like Mm -hmm. what I really want to say with these women and so that's hard it's like a constant challenge of like Lord just give me everything (laughs) that I need to you know really meet them on that level like you would with a really good friend so sometimes that's hard um yeah, and I know like having four young kids like hinders me at times with continuing deeper in my language. But yeah, learning language that's that's a challenge. I think the fact that you didn't tell us what you said might be a little worse because now we're all just thinking about <laughs> like, man, yeah. what take could that, it possibly take that one off? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out after the podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's humbling to hear because again, we're we're here in our culture struggling with wait your mom can't watch the kids this weekend why not like what's she doing what she got going on (laughs) and you're overseas dealing with that kind of stuff and again it's yeah it puts things in perspective for sure and and shows again we're all walking by faith in different ways but you know it looks different a lot of different points in time and that challenging aspect of what god's calling you to can continue to grow you closer and give you more impact too so uh, yeah, that's yeah. I mean those those things too though that you know the everyday things that Americans also deal with like those things should be acknowledged as you know they're legitimate you know problems that we go through like that because some of our problems that may look different doesn't make it any different like those there's you know it's it's tempting to look at it at different levels mm-hmm. but you know when you're kind of in that situation you just it's just kind of there and it's a it's a we shouldn't in a sense, maybe I just feel uncomfortable with the elevation of one as opposed to the other because mm-hmm. in reality, like every single problem that each one, each person sitting around this table deals with is a legitimate problem that God cares about. You know right. what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, amen to that. But, yep. Mm-hmm. And 
I should have at least started off by saying, you know, we, we do acknowledging our four pillars. We've got be noble, be driven, our two, which we've pretty much hit on. You guys are obviously very driven, very noble people, and all of our pil- pillars are backed by our faith in Christ and our foundation of what we're trying to uh, portray in our lives. So uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to wrap things up at least with seeing what be fit and be chill look like for you guys overseas. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if there is any kind of fitness There's health no standpoint. Drink, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, anything to go along with any of that aspect, like even like, how, yeah, how do you guys stay chill? Like you, you've got to have a balance of what you're doing and the work that you're putting in and the time uh, that goes into all of that. To What are you guys doing to just relax, to you know, take a step back and yeah, to be chill. I want to hear about this jujitsu a little yeah. bit more. As well. <laughs> yeah. My kids can pretty much beat me up at this point. My <laughs> 11 year old gets me in chokeholds and <laughs> tap out. <Jen. laughs> tap out. Yeah, exactly. It actually becomes a problem with my 11 and nine year old because then they want to practice on each other. Uh, yeah. Right. And then they're like, they're in the head lock. Go quite as quick as they <laughs> should. Breathe, yeah. And one of them passes out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get the He'll smelly salts. <laughs> He'll revive. <laughs> no, they they do love jujitsu. Actually, I I'm hoping to start with them when I go back, and that's part of you know one thing that I hope to do is a part of just the chill process and also like building. Really, one thing I really miss. I wish my kids could play basketball and American football because they yeah. love it and that's the way I was raised so that that's a, a loss of mine but I can give them jujitsu and I can do that with them mm-hmm. so that I also love to play basketball so I'll play basketball every once in a while and when I can't play basketball because COVID then I just started to run mm-hmm. until I could so much worse that's so much worse it's so unfortunate I have to like motivate myself like, sorry Katie was a runner yeah. <laughs> oh that's right you are a runner aren't yeah. you <laughs> But that's me. Gotcha. Yeah, if I get to be chill, that means Eric has all four of the kids out of the house, yes. which coming off this COVID season, we were all on like together nonstop. Mm-hmm. So if I had time to do that, literally, I just was chill. Like, yeah. didn't matter what you were doing. I was doing nothing um, or taking a walk. I mean, we are right kind of at the bottom of a volcano and at kind of our towns, like right tucked into the side of a mountain and so there there's lots of incline um i i'm motivated to attempt the bike again but like going up the, the mountain on the bike <laughs> is very challenging i think i need to like do some breathing exercises before i attempt that again but just walks for me um sometimes it's a a walk of yelling like what am i doing other times it's like a prayer time for me too so yeah yeah i think for me for uh, be fit. Um, I've always enjoyed running, um, but running in Southeast Asia where it's pretty much an <laughs> average of 90 degrees plus. So, so, so similar, <laughs> to, similar to how it is in here. Right yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the humidity level is <laughs> way up there too. It, it's hard to run outside. So, you know, you kind of street dogs. Yeah. And there's street dogs oh, too. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I didn't take too many t- stories about street dogs chasing people to decide you're stick to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> stick to the gym on the treadmill. I never ran on a treadmill before moving overseas, but you know you got to do what you got to do. So, you know, enjoyed getting out and running once in a while. Yeah, for me, I feel like be fit is kind of like my sanity when I'm overseas. Right now, I'll be honest, two 
seven month olds and a two year old, I am not fit. But <laughs> give it a give it I know I'll find my way back to it because for me it's like so like good for me emotionally. Yeah, just to be able to work out. So um, I found Pilates overseas, which I that was just something that was available and I'm like, hey, I'll give it a shot and I did it like a tiny bit here, but like really got into it overseas. Um, and also the local gym was a lot of fun. Um, they except they turned their air conditioning down to save Ugh. money and it's just so <laughs> brutal but it's still like kind of like it's like a fun escape but then also like really funny like culturally to see the j- moves that they do at the gym um, and their <laughs> version of it. it's great actually <laughs> um, so yeah that's I yeah running at the gym and Pilates are my two things um, for be fit and be chill um, I'm an extrovert so walking around our neighborhood <clears throat> was super fun. It was supposed to be a beach hill, and then I'd like make Devin come, and he's like, "This <laughs> I'm an, so I am super <laughs> introvert, <laughs> and it's like all local, so I'm like casually talking to the auntie down the street, and he's just like, this is so stressful. <laughs> like, I, I have no chill right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, taking my son to do that, and you, you'd come yeah, with, you'd be a good yeah. sport, but yeah, that's one, and or like our, um, like our foreigner or American friends um, getting together with them. We had some that lived in our neighborhood that we were really close with. And yeah, I have been known to love a good television show on Bravo every so often. I'm like, do you really want to say that? I'm like, let's keep it real here. <laughs> I can add to that because I was just thinking, yeah, I watched The Bachelorette with some girls here. Yeah. Maybe you need to bleep this out. I'm not sure. But it's yeah. like, there. I think before I wouldn't have allowed myself to do that. And then... Yeah. I was like, no, I think that this is okay. Yep. God still loves me. <laughs> watch a, yeah. a good American yeah. show on yep. our day and have like a good cry or whatever you need. And yeah. That's a good way to be chill. This is us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is man, us. this is us. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a tearjerker. Anything tear makes jerker. me cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a good cry. That was a joke. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a good cry. Good yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, wanted to see if you guys had any resources here as we wrap things up to uh, just give to the listeners as far as you know you guys are doing overseas missions work but it applies to everything we're doing too and in our lives and our uh, in our ministries and is there anything that's helped you out that you've either read or listened to or that's been impactful as you've gone about your walk in faith um i would say one book that uh really changed my way of thinking about a lot of the stuff I actually talked about tonight was uh, is called Speaking of Jesus. Hmm. Um, the tagline is the art of non-evangelism. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, that's by a guy named Carl Medeiros. Okay. Uh, lived in the Middle East for a little while, um, and so that's a really good book. Um, also, I'm hoping to start a podcast uh, as well coming here. Um, in January, uh, hopefully over Christmas, uh, called the Jesus Collaboration, where I'll be interviewing mainly Muslims, uh, but really anybody about you know the way they think and 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 interact with the life and teachings of Jesus. So, cool. Yep. Yeah, be There's cool. a book Check called When Helping Hurts, and I yeah. think for anyone listening that is considering you know missions, whether it's short term or you know, and I kind of think of a place like Haiti or Mexico when I when I share this because, you know, being from the U.S., we're really quick to be able to go there. And sometimes we think we're doing more good than we are. And so I think it's something good to, like, educate yourself with that. Um, and even as I think of things coming up, you know, with the 
last earthquake in Haiti and of other things like that, um, I don't know, maybe find someone that you know is like doing something good there that you could like partner with or ask them, um, a local that if you have a connection or something, I think, um, how you could team up with someone instead of just sending money to any random person or thing in a context like that. Mm -hmm. I'm currently reading through a book called, uh, reading Romans with Eastern eyes. And, uh, I think we often in the West, we forget that the Bible is often written in a more Eastern context. And there's subtle things that we kind of miss sometimes from our kind of individualistic Western context. So, um, I've been reading through that and it's been really helpful to just kind of expand, uh, and understand some of the, uh, nuances of just Romans and even the new Testament in general of, um, some of the things that were playing out, um, just the, the Jews and the Gentiles and some of the racial walls and, um, barriers that were between those groups and now they're supposed to be one church and um Hmm. and so it's been really interesting to learn about that more and um because yeah you get in an eastern context and you learn that very quickly that there's there's these racial laws and barriers between different groups and is that a series of books is there like a is like is it just romans or is it also like you know the gospels through eastern eyes or no, it's it's just, it's just uh, one. one. Yeah, okay. he, I I forget the author's name, but yeah, there's just one book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do it this afternoon, well. but that's okay. <laughs> um, for me, I would say one of the biggest things that helped me, and if anyone that's listening would want to go overseas, is Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. It's this, it's a little bit of a time commitment, and um, but it's just was so transforming to me just to hear about the history of missions and um, just how it looks now and like kind of looking forward. That was, yeah, probably one of my favorite resources. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, coming, sharing, talking about some of the the heart of what you guys are doing overseas and uh, just walking by faith and everything that you're doing. We did have a couple of gifts for you guys. So, We'll hand these out after, but we got some T-shirts. They should all fit. I think we had enough left to, to get it for you guys. And Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, yeah. Represent in Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. We're going to split up a little uh, gift towards you guys So Thank from Core 4 Life in itself. Um, so Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate you guys. That's awesome. Come and we'll get a pic with you guys after this and blur out your faces. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you guys for having yeah. us. Yeah, that's that's, that's so. to get yeah. all our queso back, right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, load all up as queso. much queso as you want. But uh, yeah, pack a suitcase full of queso. You can get. <laughs> yeah, really thanks so much it. for being on, guys. Yep. Yeah. Thanks again. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Glad you could join us for another Core 4 Life podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share this with a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Core 4 Life. Or check out our website, core4life.com. That's core, F-O-U-R, life.com. Tune in next Thursday for another brand new episode. Core for Life. Yep. I said a core for life. <laughs> <laughs> Dilly.